Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, basically continuing um, from first service of uh, <laughs> last Sunday. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 17. I want to make some uh, observations, and then I really want to be practical this morning. I really want to be practical with us as a church family. We're in a series on identity, and the, the, uh, the theme verse for this series is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Paul writes this. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so the big idea of the series, based off of this text, is this. We have a creator and a redeemer who has fashioned us and purchased us by his own blood. We are his, and he defines us, not the world, our friends, family, accomplishments, or even ourselves. We are his kids, and knowing what the Father thinks about us will change everything. That's the big idea of this series. We have a creator. The creator gets to tell us who we are. Not only is he our creator, but if we've come to faith in Christ, he is our redeemer as well. And he bought us, and he gets to tell us who we are. He gets to say, Jamie, this is who I created you to be. And that journey of walking with the Lord and discovering who he has uniquely created you to be is one of the most beautiful, breathtaking journeys any of us will go on. I just want to encourage you with that. That the Father had you in mind before creation, before he spoke anything into being, he had you in mind, had plans and specific identity for you. And one of your great joys in life is to discover what that is. So Romans chapter 8. Let's read the text. Romans chapter 8. Paul writes this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's good news. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters 
of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So, Father, we give you uh, this time. We tell you again that you are a good Father. And Jesus, we honor you. We honor your life, your death, your burial, and resurrection for us in our place. We thank you for unspeakable grace and mercy. And Holy Spirit, you are the comforter, you are the teacher, you are the sanctifier. You make us like Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come. To bear witness with our spirits. To comfort and challenge and teach. So we yield to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at um, a, a couple of benefits of being adopted into this triune family. We looked at some of these benefits. I got through uh, not even, I almost got through half of them. I just want to cover the last ones and then we're going to move. But we looked, we've been looking through this text, it's been four or five weeks, looking through Romans 8, just walking through the text and being blown away by the fact that God in his grace has actually come into our world to solve our biggest problem. Did you know that God has actually come to solve our biggest problem? And our biggest problem is, in fact, that we walk away, we walk around with condemnation because all of us are jacked up. I don't know if anyone has actually said that or thought about that. We're jacked up. Like our thinking and our behavior, our actions, our b belief systems, the things that we do are jacked up. And we leave wakes of broken relationships around us. And that inner feeling of just like, ah, something's not right. And actually, we walk around, outside of Christ, we walk around with this feeling of like condemnation. Like my behavior, I'm, I'm going to have to pay for this behavior. I'm going to have to pay for this jacked up way of thinking. And literally, there's a feeling of just like, Something's not right, and something's coming. And the Bible says here that we are actually free from this condemnation through Jesus, that actually Jesus actually took the punishment and the wrath of God, God's wrath towards us and our sin and brokenness. God actually poured the wrath that we deserve. He poured it out on himself on the cross. And so Jesus dying on the cross actually is dying in our place for our stuff, our brokenness. And Jesus actually assumes all the wrath of God towards our sin, such that when we come to Jesus by faith, we say, Jesus is dying for me in my place. His righteous living, he was perfect. His righteous living is credited to me, and my sin is credited to him, and he dies in my place, taking my punishment for me. When I come to this Jesus, actually, there is no more condemnation for us, because God the Father does not see us in our sin. He has worn out his wrath towards our sin in Jesus, his son. It's spectacular. And so actually we come to Jesus and actually we are free from condemnation. Not only that, but we get adopted into his family such 
that God actually says, actually, now you can call me dad. Right? Actually, you can just call me dad. No, but I've done such jacked up stuff. I was an enemy of yours. Yeah, I know. I wore it out on Jesus. Actually, I actually paid, I paid for that punishment. Personally, I paid for that punishment. There's none left for you. No, no, no. I did that thing. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I paid for it in Jesus. That's right. You're like, wait, you want me to call you Abba? He's like, yeah, that's what I want you to call me. What does Abba even mean? You know, it's Aramaic. It means dad. So you want me to call you the creator of the universe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you dad. He goes, yeah. A lot of Christians, we walk around thinking that God is still angry with us. We actually walk around like orphans rather than sons and daughters. We actually walk around thinking, I better go to church this Sunday or God will be mad at me. That is orphan thinking. Did you know that? Oh, I better, I better give my tithe. You know, I better give my tithe this week, right? Mm-hmm. Or he's going to be mad. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> There's no condemnation for you in Christ. And he welcomes us into this relationship with the creator of the universe whereby he is our father and the second member of the Trinity is our brother, Jesus, and the third member of the Trinity, the spirit, actually dwells within us. So we get brought into this triune family. And we talked about this last week, or the last couple weeks, that there is divine love within the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, one God, three persons, each person fully God, also mutually loving one another. And we get brought into this triune family and the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father and the Spirit for the Father and the Son and the Father and the Son for the Spirit, that love, you and I are in the middle of it just getting smashed. Divine crossfire. That's what we talked about last week. Divine crossfire of love, just But see, orphans are walking around like nobody loves me. Actually, the creator of the universe loves you. He has shown it to you in the death of his son for you. Oh, I'm not loved. I, you are. I don't feel it. It doesn't matter if you feel it. It's true. We don't walk by feelings. Does, does everybody know this? <laughs> Actually, we walk by faith, not by feelings. I don't feel loved. Mm, have you come to faith in Christ? Yes, you are infinitely and extravagantly loved whether you feel it or not. See, orphans are based off of their feelings. I'm not feeling, I'm not just not feeling loved right now. Well, what does that mean? What does that matter? I know, I know this is like sounds weird to people, but we do this all the time. God doesn't love me because I, I cussed out that guy on the road who cut me off. I mean, he deserved it, but I cussed him out. Now God doesn't love me. That's weird. And we talked about the difference between conviction and condemnation, and that's a real thing. It could be, in fact, that I feel conviction for my sin, and there is a, there is a, a breaking of my relationship between the Father and me. That's very true. I actually uh, regularly, when I sin, feel conviction, and you do as well. And it's that feeling of, ah, I've, actually, I've actually injured my relationship with the Father, but I haven't been, like, kicked out of the family no, there's just a breaking of relationship. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And actually, we are fully restored. When we confess our sins, we are fully restored to the Father. But orphans are like, oh, I don't believe it. I don't feel it. Well, do you believe the word or do you believe your feelings? Do we want to trust the word or do we want to trust our feelings? I'm just telling you what the word says. 
Nothing I've said is not, everything I've just said is basically in Romans 8, what I just read. So I want to encourage you in this way. I want to pick up last couple of things. Look at verse 15 with me. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So when we come to faith in Christ, actually the third member of the Trinity, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, comes and dwells inside of us. And part of the job of the Spirit is to bear witness with our spirit that we are kids of this Father. But the Spirit, one of the jobs of the Spirit is to say, yep, you're a kiddo. He's your Father. That's what the Spirit is designed to do. Such that we would cry out, Abba, Father. Now, if we're being honest, some of us have really difficult relationships with our fathers and mothers. So when you see a passage like that and you're like, I got to call God Father? Sheesh, I hope he's nothing like my father, right? And some of us have great relationships with our fathers and it still feels weird. Here's the deal. It's the Spirit's job to change your heart so that you see God as Father and you actually realize he's the best father that has ever been. The father that you have longed for is in fact the creator of the universe who came and died for you and is drawing you back to himself. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. (laughs) This is crazy. We're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Next week, we're going to look at suffering. We're going to look at verses 18 to 30. I don't have time in 14 minutes to do it. (laughs) But let's talk about inheritance. If you are children of God, by grace through faith in Christ, you are heirs of God and co-heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. So the situation is this. Uh, The Jewish faith doesn't have a concept of adoption. Like, that's not a thing for Jewish people. It is for Roman people. So the original hearers and readers of this letter, when they hear spirit of adoption and all this language, illustration of adoption, they're thinking about Roman adoptions. In a Roman adoption, a a father would look at usually an adult child and say, I'm going to adopt you into my family. And there would be a witness, just like the Holy Spirit is bearing witness, there'd be a witness standing there saying, yep, this is what happened. There was, a, there was a, a father, and then here's someone who was not this father's child, and this father has adopted this child. So now the child comes into family with this father. And oh, by the way, it's not just like some fun designation, father, son, father, daughter, yay. Actually, it also includes inheritance. Everything that is the father's is now given to the child, right? Inheritance. But actually, when you take that, and then you put it at a cosmic level, now what we're saying is, not what we, what the Bible is saying, is that God adopts us as his kids and now we get to inherit everything that's God's. What's God's? Everything! So I'm so jacked up that God had to die for me. He had to obey the law for me because I was so jacked up and couldn't obey it. Then he died on the cross for me in my place. Then he gave me his righteousness and perfect obedience of the law and took my sin and death and punishment. And by grace through faith, entrusting and saying, Jesus, you're the boss of my life, I enter into a family now where he's my father and I get to inherit everything. That's the good news. <laughs> That's actually good news. How many times have you been to church and you haven't heard good news? 
<laughs> it's called good because it's good news. You know, I, I've been, over the last two weeks, I've been thinking to myself, what does it mean to inherit, to, to be a co-heir, fellow heir with Christ? What does that even mean? And I want you to know, after diligent study, you ready? You know, you ready? I'm about to, I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't, I don't think we actually will know until heaven, till the new heaven and the new earth. And then it's going to be an eternity to like discover what, it, what is this? But let me just say a couple of things about what the Bible says. One of the things that we get to inherit is the earth itself. <laughs> Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We get to inherit the very kingdom of God. This is Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this inheritance is actually an eternal inheritance. This is 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, depending on where the stock market is, your inheritance could be pretty low or pretty high, right? But the Bible says, actually, that the inheritance that we have, 1 Peter 1, says that it is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Like it doesn't go up and down based off of whatever the New York Stock Exchange is doing. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Un. Fading. Whatever you can imagine as the most awesome inheritance multiplied by infinity, and then you're kind of getting there. It's awesome. And you know what's even best? It's not even all this stuff. Our inheritance is actually God himself. <laughs> it's actually God himself. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 73, 25 to 26. The psalmist writes this. I've prayed this so many times. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, that's inheritance, my portion forever. Whatever you think is an awesome inheritance, the best of all is we get God himself. Like, we get God. Forever. So I want to go after your heart. Because all of this is great, but you're still, you're, some of you are thinking, what does that mean, man? Like, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for tomorrow morning? What does it mean? Let's look at Matthew 3 together. Matthew 3, we're answering the question, what does it mean to be loved by this father as an adopted kiddo? This is Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Matthew 3, verse 16. And I want to recommend two books to you that I think will be very, very helpful. Because what I'm talking about right now is some deep, it's deep stuff that takes, takes time to process with the Lord. Two books I want to recommend to you. One, Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. I love this book. I love how honest and raw Brennan is. Uh, if you think you're jacked up, just wait till you read Brennan's story. 
If you think, there's no way God would love me, just wait till you read Brendan's story. His discussion of the imposter might be one of the most brilliant, helpful, and incisive things I have ever read about what goes on in us in relationship to God as Father, where we have an imposter self. Anyway, I, you just read it. Abba's, Abba's Child. I don't want to get into it. Abba's Child by Brendan Manning. Second book. Fantastic. I love Sam Storms. I wish he would adopt me as his kiddo. I love Sam Storms. Uh, Sam's book, The Singing God. Just buy it and read it. Don't think about it. Buy it and read it. Don't think about it. Don't even, don't even think. Buy it and read it. It will be the best thing other than Abba's Child that you read on this subject. Those two books, buy them, read them, don't think about it. Abba's Child, Brendan Manning, Singing God, Sam Storms. Because we're asking the question, how in fact are we loved by the Father? And what does that mean for my day to day? Let's look at Matthew 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and come to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Somebody say, well pleased. With whom I am well pleased. First verse of chapter 4, continuing on. Then Jesus was led up. Remember, Romans 8 said that, uh, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse four, or chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we have this situation. Jesus is baptized. John the Baptist is the one who's baptizing him. He comes up out of the water. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him. So we have a Trinitarian uh, passage here where the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all at play. The Son comes out of the water. The Spirit comes and rests on the Son. The voice of the Father booms over this situation. He says, this is my boy. Like this language, sometimes when you read it, you're like, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Like we don't say, we don't talk like that, right? We don't walk around and be like, uh, this is my uh, beloved son. And I am... <laughs> Like Caden's in the back running cameras, you are my beloved son. Like we don't, it's, it's formal. You know what I would say? That's my dude. That's my dude. And I love my dude. Like I'm crazy about my dude. We were at, we were at a swim party uh, yesterday afternoon. I wrestled and chunked this kid, my dude, for like three hours. My right shoulder is still hurting right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. We need some prayer time for this shoulder. <laughs> the father says, this is my guy. I love him. I love him. And remember, this is pre-eternal love. This is before creation love. The Father and the Son and the Spirit have ne they never started being. They have always been. From eternity past, the Father has been loving his dude, the Son, forever. And we get to see this moment where the Spirit descends on Jesus and the Father's like, this is my guy. I love him. I am well pleased. I delight in him. I think about Jesus and the Father's like, I think about him I'm like, oh, I, I want to get up in him. Like that. That's what the Father's like. And, and some of us dads, we know this feeling. <laughs> we know the opposite of this feeling as well for our kids. But we know this feeling where you're just like, you like see your kid and you're like, this kid is so cute. I can just, you know what I'm talking about? So cute. Look at these cheeks and rip them off. You know, it's like a weird thing. It's a weird thing. But you know what I'm talking about. 
That's the Father for the Son. That's my boy. And in him, I am well pleased. Let, let me ask a question. Has Jesus raised anybody from the dead yet? Oh, surely he's turned water into wine at this point. Surely he's died on the cross for the sins of the world. Ultimate boss move. Surely he's done that. No. Actually, Jesus has not done anything that, quote unquote, the Father has sent him to do yet in terms of his ministry. He's 33. He's done plenty of things. But in terms of his ministry in this last three and a half years, he's done nothing. You know what that tells us? The Father loves the Son for who the Son is, not for what the Son does. The Father is extravagantly loving the Son, not for what the Son does for him, but for who he is to him. Let let me say it again. I I just want to make sure you hear this. The Father's extravagant, inexhaustible, indescribable, infinite, pre-eternal love for the Son is not for what the Son does for him or to him. It is, in fact, for who he is to him. The Father's like, that's my boy! And I delight in him. I was thinking about my mama. I call her Mimi. Actually, the, the grandkids call her Mimi. If you go to Mimi's house, Mimi has done something. She is obsessed, and I mean obsessed, with her little grandbaby's feet and toes. She's obsessed, guys. She's like taking pictures, like when they're born, she's there every birth, taking pictures of the feet and the toes and has printed them. She's got them like in her, in her house, like all the grandbabies. There's like 35 of them. That's nah, not quite that many, but. but they're like all over the house and she knows them by feet and toes. It's kind of weird. Love you, mom. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. But Mimi, I mean, Mimi, she's like staring at it. She's like, look at the little heel. Look at the toes. Big toe, one, two, three. And I'm like, come on. But she's obsessed. There's a little bit of that in the Father. Actually, there's a lot of that in God the Father towards the Son. He's like, look at this guy. Look at him. Everybody, come. I mentioned last week, he's got, he's got Jesus' picture in his wallet. He's like, look at that, look at that. I was with another, I was with a grandma Another person, a member of our church, I won't name her. She's like, oh, you wanted to hear, you wanted to see pictures of my grandbaby? And she just opens up and starts swiping. I was like, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to eat my sandwich right now and you're swiping. I I didn't ask for that. Love you, Mary. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. I'm gonna pay for that later. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Here's the big idea though, friends. When you are in Christ, the Father delights in you the same way. If you are in Christ, the Father delights in you the same way. See, this is where it gets real. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Father and the Son, he's delighted. He's like the feed, it's the picture. (laughs) But actually, his delight towards you is infinite because you are in Christ. You say, Jamie, how can this be? Well, Jesus himself said it, John 17. He's praying to the Father. He said, I am in them. He's praying about his own disciples who would fall. I am in them, and you are in me, that they may be perfectly one, 
so that the world may know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you loved me. So Jamie's not making this up. Jesus just said to the Father, I've made myself and you known to them so that the world would know that the same love that you, Father, have for me, pre-eternal love, that same love that the world would know that actually you love them the way you love me. That's what Jesus just said. I'm not making it up. Isn't that fantastic? Yes. The answer is yes, just so everyone's clear. (laughs) The answer is yes. Actually, eternal, furious, infinite delight is yours because you're awesome? No, you ain't. It's because you're in Christ. But Jamie, you don't know the bad stuff I did. Then you need to listen to the gospel again and remind yourself of the gospel again. But Jamie, I've done such jacked up stuff. Yeah, actually, back up. Remember the gospel. (laughs) Yeah, you did jacked up stuff. And also, if you are in faith with Christ, actually, that jacked up stuff was put on Jesus for you. And his righteousness, his perfect fulfillment of the law has been given to you. And the Father is just delighting in you perfectly. Perfectly. Remind yourself the gospel again. You say, well, Jamie, that's just one verse. Well, it is a verse. It's also the words of Jesus. Let me give you another verse. Psalm 103. This is going to help everybody in the room. Because let's be honest, we struggle with sin, friends, don't we? (laughs) Sinful behaviors, sinful thoughts, patterns of thinking and activity that we got from family members, we got from our jacked up hearts. And we continue to walk in those things. So there's this tension with, okay, how can he be so well-pleased and delighted in me if I also sin? (laughs) Psalm 103, 8 to 14. Listen to the words of God. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Let me just read that again. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, for as high as the heavens are above the earth. Listen to the Bible. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who believe. Let's just just do some quick barnyard math. There's like billions of galaxies. The Bible said as, as high as the heavens are above the earth. It's like billions of galaxies. If we were to move at the speed of light, just in one direction, for billions of light years, if we just if we could move that way, like literally that way. For billions of years, at light speed, we would still not get to the edge of the galaxy. Is that fair? Just some barnyard math. Oh, by the way, as far as the heavens are to the earth, so great is his steadfast love for us. That's what the Bible just said. If you think about space, the glory of space, he says, even greater than that is my love for those who are mine. As the Father shows compassion to his children, I'm just keep reading. As the Father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Why? For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. 
So this is what we're going to do. This is going to be fun. Some of y'all are going to hate it, but it's going to be so good for you. Because <laughs> the bottom line is this, right? How do I live my life in such a way that I believe what the Word says about me? Like, how do I go to work tomorrow and actually walk 24-7 experiencing the well-pleasing smile of the Father over me? Because if you did that, it would actually change your entire life. Because so many of us do the things that we do trying to impress the people around us or we're trying to impress God. But in fact, in Christ, it doesn't matter what anybody around us thinks. And in Christ, the creator of the universe already is well-pleased. So whatever I put my hand to, I'm not proving myself to people or to God because the good news says that I am well-loved right now. Do you believe that for next week? Like what, some of us have got stuff going on, right? You got, you got stuff that's on your to-do list this week. Did you know that if you are in Christ, the Father is well-pleased with this next week before you do it? And you actually don't have to prove anything to him. You don't have to perform for him. You don't have to perform for other people. That's going to set some people free in the room right now. How many times do we say certain things because there's people in the room that if I say it this way, the people in the room will think a certain thing about me that I'm trying to manipulate? How many times would I put something on so that I will be socially acceptable in another group because I want this group of people to think I'm the kind of person that has the clothes that I'm wearing? Are y'all hearing me right now? Because I've done it, y'all have done it, and the Father is calling all of us to walk in freedom from that. Like, it really doesn't matter. I told you guys this last week. I'm walking in a level of freedom from a preaching standpoint, and I'm not perfect at it, but I really don't care what you guys think about this sermon. And actually, I, I experienced a lot of freedom from that, but what was hanging on was I was also preaching to prove to the Father that I was worthy to be called to be a pastor. And you know, he started, I said this last week, he started saying to me, this sermon is A plus before you preach it. I'll sit right back there and he'll go get it. This is gonna be awesome, go get it. Cause he's so pumped, cause I'm his boy. Listen, he's crazy about me. And if you're gonna be offended by that, don't be. He's crazy about you too. I'm not being arrogant, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He's crazy about you in Christ. So live your life, do what you do, free of people and free of proving to him anything. He has shown extravagant love to you in Jesus. Be free. Be free, my friends. Be free.
Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ask Him if there's any more things that you need to confess. Just ask Him again. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. I'm going to invite you to open your eyes. This is what we're going to do. I would like for you to look to your neighbor, look them right in the eye, and tell them the Father is well pleased in you. Go. And then return the favor. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will bear witness with brothers and sisters this morning, that you will bear witness with their spirits that they are children of God. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would overwhelm this church, that you would overwhelm this church with your extravagant love that is found in Christ. I come against all work of the enemy lying to you about your need to prove yourself to God. I bless you with believing what the Word says. Father, would you love your kids that they would experience and be rooted in your love for the Son and your love for the Spirit. I ask this week that we would walk in your delight and your love and your voice saying, this is my boy, this is my girl in whom I am well pleased. And all God's people said, amen. You are loved and you're dismissed. Be at peace. Be at peace.